Welcome back to Observing the Sabbath. I'm Nathaniel Molnar. Uh, so we have finished our entire look, everything to do with the original Black Sabbath album. All the reaction commentary videos are up on the channel. You can check them out there as, as well as our podcast episode compiling all those videos into one hour-long podcast episode as well as your thoughts and your comments uh, read out loud in a video up on the channel. So now we are done with Black Sabbath and we are moving on to the next album from Black Sabbath, and that is Paranoid. Uh, and this is probably one of their more popular albums out of all of them. Uh, I think a lot of people hold Master of Reality in Volume 4 as maybe the best, but I'd say the most popular might be Paranoid. Uh, this also came out, originally released uh, at the very tail end of 1970, uh, and then kind of was released in the United States in January 1971. I hold it more as a 1970 album because that's when it was originally released. So that's kind of what I'll refer to it as. So Paranoid came out the same year as their self-titled album, which is crazy to me that they, they put out both of these albums, two albums that are as well-regarded, highly regarded, and, and well-known as they are, both in the same year, and they both have different, distinct, radically different feels to them in tone and theme and subject matter. It's really interesting how different these albums are for being recorded and put out in the same year. Or rather, Black Sabbath was recorded the very tail end of 1969, So, but in the same time frame, in the same area. So at the same time that they were live sets, they were performing Black Sabbath, they were also performing a variation of War Pigs. Uh, and now we have uh, this album. Originally, Paranoid was going to be called Walpolgus, which uh, was a, I forget which language, but it means war pigs. Uh, and so it was going to be based around that, which is why you kind of get the album cover doesn't exactly fit Paranoid. Uh, but it's an interesting album cover. I really like it. And similarly to Black Sabbath, this album was recorded as a live set. So with Black Sabbath... Uh, instead of doing like a more traditional recording, they had two days in the studio. They recorded with one day and just played through the live set uh, and recorded that and then mixed it on the second day. I don't know for sure if they only had two days in the studio or not or if they had a little bit more time with Paranoid, but they recorded it in a similar way where they just played their live set and they recorded it that way. It wasn't really until Master of Reality that they really started playing around with things and fine-tuning and, and trying new things uh, with the recording process. So Paranoid has a similar kind of consistency feel that Black Sabbath did, although not exactly the same. So I'm not going to say anymore. We're going to dive right in to War Pigs. I will say, though, that as I say at the top of every video... This is not a reaction video in that I'm listening to this for the first time. I know all Black Sabbath songs. I've listened to them hundreds of times without hyperbole. So uh, if you're looking for a reaction video, so I'm listening to this for the first time, this is not that video. Uh, but rather, I'm just going to give you my thoughts and my commentary as we listen to War Pigs. So without any further ado, let's dive in. This is War Pigs slash Luke's Wall. And now... Fantastic opening. Mm 
a great opening to the album as well as the song. And I love the sirens in the background that come in in a minute. There they are. Ah, it really sets the stage for this whole song. And I feel like so much is ultimately added, because you could have just started the song with this next part, uh, where it's like, da -da -t -t -t. you could have started there, but I feel like having this little bit in the very beginning kind of leads you right into it. Obviously one of the most like iconic pieces of music, guitar and drum and everything like ever in <laughs> music. Everyone knows it. I love the lyrics to this song. Uh, and it's interesting to listen to some of their live performances because um, the lyrics in some of those videos are completely different. You can tell they were still fine-tuning the lyrics. Uh, but the lyrics that they landed on in this song, uh, in this version of the song that they recorded, fantastic. I just, I love it. It's one of the great anti-war anthems ever, ever created. It's kind of interesting if you look at Black Sabbath, you have in Black Sabbath the song, you have, oh no, and the God, please help me. And then in this song, you have the, oh Lord, yeah. It's kind of like an interesting offset. In the, and they're both the opening songs to both albums, and they kind of have that sort of interesting juxtaposition uh, in terms of how they're using it and the tone of it and everything. This is great. And we're coming up to probably my favorite part of like the whole song lyrics wise everything it's so relevant isn't it so black sabbath doesn't always get the political they don't they they get the most political in this album than any other albums but it's something great that they kind of have in their back pocket that they come back to uh and it works and you got to think about the time this is like this is Vietnam, like, we, we, Vietnam's going on in the world, and sure, uh, I mean, they're based in England, they're not necessarily an American band, uh, or they're not American band at all, but to put out this song in this time, to really have this clear stance, this anti-war anthem, it, it's fantastic. It's like an absolute takedown of uh, the people in power, and if you really look at war pigs, what that is saying about sort of the people in charge, the people who are, are taking the poor and sending them out into war to die for their own profits. Um, it's such a great uh, visage that they create in the imagery and everything. Uh, and it really all starts from that initial idea, war pigs, and what that sort of conjures in your head when you hear and what that says about the people who are instigating these wars. Out of all the songs, because on Paranoid, I think you have the most songs that became super popular. Like, Iron Man. Everyone knows Iron Man, or at least has heard of it at some point. Most people know Paranoid, and War Pigs plays a lot on the album. I would say out of the popular Black Sabbath songs, 
uh, the ones that really broke into the main mainstream. War Pigs is the most uniquely Black Sabbath in that it, I Paranoid is kind of, I like Paranoid. I have an interesting history with Paranoid, which I'm sure I'll talk about in my video about Paranoid, but it's, I have an interesting history of it because I kind of, I disliked it for a while because I just thought, oh, that's just a popular Black Sabbath song. But when you listen to it, while I like it very much now, um, it's one of those songs where you could tell it has a radio feel to it. It kind of, you could see how this is one that would kind of have mass appeal. And Iron Man is sort of similar in that you could tell how that would have mass appeal. War Pigs more doesn't. War Pigs more has like, it has the long Tony uh, solos and you have like this sort of interesting structure as very clear stances politically uh, especially for the time uh, and it's very interesting to me that this is one of those songs that sort of broke through into the mainstream became as popular as it was and so I think with Iron Man and Paranoid those were more songs that you could they were made to kind of be these sort of um, mass appeal songs or maybe not necessarily directly made to be that but that sort of works in their favor with war pigs i feel like it's not really crafted in that sense and yet it kind of broke through anyway which speaks to the, just the quality of the song it's really the quality of the song that propelled it forward it's a longer song too uh, like, I believe Iron Man and Paranoid are both, like, more in the four-minute range, and this is, like, seven, eight minutes long. So for it to be, like, on the radio and playing a lot, it, that's that's really... That's something that uh, they should be proud of, that the song broke through the way that it did. And it really is just a great introduction to the album. It's a great first song for the whole album. It really kicks you off with like, like, it's really like a like a kick in the gut, and it's like, all right, let's get going, and then that kind of propels you through the whole album. And you can hear Tony is sort of refined a little bit more what he's doing with his solos, like with especially with something like Warning or or Behind the Wall of Sleep, you just sort of have this long-form instrumental, which you do have that in War Pigs, but I feel like Tony sort of almost tightened it up a little bit, so it's not as much long-form, but he still has these long periods where it's his sort of guitar work that's the focus. I love this little bit. This is a great bit. Build up, build up. Yeah. That's a great song. I love War Pigs. I don't know where it would fall in terms of like a top 10 list or anything like that, but I I just think War Pigs is great. It's, I mean... Politically, it's strong and it's clear and it has such power to it. 
Um, you know, politicians hide themselves away. They only started the war. Why should they go out to fight? They leave that for the poor. It, it just has such power and strength to it. Um, and it's a great introduction to the album. It's a great lead-in. I, I just think, overall, War Pigs is just such a great song. Again, I don't know necessarily where it'd fall if it's in a top 10 or not. I know for a lot of people, it's one of their top, top favorite songs. I think there are some other ones that would kind of edge over it for me personally, but I love this song. I think it's fantastic. So my question to you is, what are your thoughts on War Pigs? Uh, do you agree with a lot of people that it's one of your top, top tier favorite Black Sabbath songs? Are you like me where you love it and you think it's fantastic, but wouldn't necessarily quite make like a top five and it, you'd have to really think about it if it's in a top 10 or not. Um, what are your thoughts on the overall Paranoid album uh, that we're going to be going further in depth as we go to every single song on this album? Leave all of your thoughts in the comment section below. I'm your host, Nathaniel Muller. I'm joined by special guest, Johnny Gifford. Thank you for being here with me to talk about this song. Thank you, Nathaniel, for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Black Sabbath is a band that you introduced me to really um, in depth, and I'm excited to talk about these tracks. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Now, uh, for people who've been following the channel who saw um, my video talking about my Sabbath story, I mentioned on there that we did originally Observing the Sabbath as a show on WXPL 91.3, and you were one of the people on that show, you and Ian Brower. Yeah, yeah, that was a good crew, me, you, and Ian listening to some uh, Sabbath every other week and talking about it. I really learned a lot about the band, I've learned a lot about the music, and I've grown such a deeper appreciation for it since. Yeah, definitely. So... Uh, I know that Paranoid, the song, is one of your favorites by Black Sabbath. Before we get into the song, uh, do you want to just talk a little bit about, um, uh, you already touched upon it, basically, but uh, what your uh, experience with Black Sabbath is and what is it about Paranoid and, and your relationship with that song? You know, I definitely knew um, Black Sabbath from a, an early age. I was always surrounded my dad's taste in music. He listened to a lot of, you know, kind of, 70s 80s kind of hard rock metal type stuff and, and um yeah paranoid was probably one of the first songs i knew by them um with probably a couple others here and there but i know that paranoid was in garage uh, not garage band um rock band yeah rock band and guitar one of the guitar heroes i think too and those games had a huge influence on me and my music taste growing up so that was like super cool to me because it, it sounds kind of just like any other uh, song in that kind of pop song structure like it's not too long it's got like very discernible parts it's tight it has a ripping solo in it and like very hook uh, hook like lyrics and melodies and whatnot so I always mm. just really appreciated it but then listening to this album with with you and Ian during observing the Sabbath it's like so multifaceted and it's not it's like paranoid is kind of them breaking the mold that they and the precedent that they set in their self-titled beforehand it kind of hmm. it's a different different sabbath definitely so while i viewed it as like a staple i guess in their history this is more of a they're kind of going selling out a little bit i guess <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not in a bad way <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh i i completely agree with you that it's them sort of changing gears and something i mentioned a lot when i was going through their first self-titled 
was that Black Sabbath is a band that grows and evolves and changes all throughout uh from album to album from song to song and even within the song from riff to riff uh everything is just about this constant uh state of changing and growing and evolving and i I love that yeah it's and it's really interesting that you have their self-titled album which is it has its own distinct tone uh, and then Paranoid, as you were mentioning, is very different and it's building upon mm. it and it's going in new directions and they came out the same year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's that's what's crazy to me about it. Now, it was released in, I think, January of 71 uh, in the United States, but originally came out at the very end of 1970. So that's crazy to me that they had that much growth and change in one single year uh, with Black Sabbath coming out in, I could be wrong, uh, and for people uh, watching in the comment section, let me know exactly which day it is or month it is, because I may be wrong. I believe it was March of 1970 that Black Sabbath came out. And then it was more like November, December-ish, might have even been October, when Paranoid came out in the UK before its uh, United States release in January 71. So to have that much growth and change in such a small period of time, it, that's crazy to me. And I think there's spots on the album too that really resemble their first album, like how they do in, I, I don't remember exactly, but most of the songs in their self-titled is like, they have like, you know, two or three songs per one song and it's just kind of one cohesive structure. And they got mm-hmm. that a few times, the War Pigs and Luke's Wall and uh, Jack the Stripper and Fairies Wear Boots in this album, which I think that's pretty cool how that opens and closes the album. But the rest mm. of it is just like, some of them are longer songs, but I guess they're just trying to write tighter, more cohesive song structures and stuff, opposed to just kind of mashing things together. Um, yeah, definitely. But they still, they, they, they keep a cool balance of it, which I think is cool. Definitely. So let's get right into Paranoid. So yeah. uh, how this is going to work, uh, we're going to just listen to the song. We're going to talk through it, uh, and then we'll give our thoughts and talk all about it after the song is over i certainly have an interesting history with this song that i definitely want to get into uh but let's just take a listen uh so we're gonna bring up this is paranoid the second track on the album paranoid by black sabbath are you ready i'm ready all right and now such an iconic riff it really is (laughs) Didn't you say that they like kind of made the song last minute or like just while they were in the studio? Yeah, so they had about 20 minutes of the album that they needed to fill. And so they just sat down, or not 20 minutes, they wrote it in about 20 minutes. They had like two, three minutes to fill on the album. And so they just kind of made this up in about 20 minutes, <laughs> which yeah, is and crazy. I, looking at the lyrics is like, I feel like sometimes they kind of go off with theories and about you know different themes religious wise mm-hmm. about drugs whatever but this one's just kind of like he's just talking about a girl it's like oh classic you know or reliable in terms of uh, writing lyrics i think yeah for a lot of for a lot of bands at the time period but I, I oh go ahead no no, no 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 go for it i was just gonna say that uh i agree with you however one of the things that i always overlooked but recently began to appreciate is really the depth and the complexity of what's actually going on with the lyrics and just it's focusing on on this person who's just in this constant state of not knowing what's going on and is lost in this like depression 
uh, because they don't understand their own mind. And I, I just think it's it's so cool. And like uh, uh, a part of the song that I always thought was rather simplistic, which I really come to appreciate, is later when it goes to um, the uh, uh, make a joke and I will sigh and you will laugh and I will cry. I always thought it was just rather simplistic, but when you look into what exactly is going on there uh, and about the mental state of this person, it's it's yeah. really profound. It is, and I think that this shift in lyrics is a good um, analogy to how the music kind of has shifted. Now, this is a very short song with a very basic structure. It's kind of, you know, a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then like a solo, which I do want to highlight that solo that we mm. just heard. Beautiful solo. And I love how, how Tony Iommi, he like, he tracks everything twice, it sounds like. And you can hear like the ripping solo in the left ear and you can hear the same solo in the right ear, but it's just like even more fuzzed out than the left ear. Mm. Really cool stereo quality to it, which I, I really appreciate in music. Just not keeping things like simple, plain one track, kind of mixing things up, especially when you listen on headphones, totally different experience. Definitely. And there's a lot of that also in the first album, um, which I, I, I love when they do that. Uh, and they do it specifically, I believe it's uh, Behind the Wall Sleep. They do that with Ozzy's audio tracks is that they're kind of offset. Um, yeah. So that's the end of the song there. Yep. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, and I definitely agree with you about that solo. That It's a great Tony solo, uh, which he it's has a lot tight. of those. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So I, I alluded to earlier and I wanted to talk a little bit about how I've had a bit of an interesting history with this song. So uh, I've always known this song because I feel like for people who know of Black Sabbath but don't really know Black Sabbath, there are a couple of songs that they know. They know mm -hmm. or have heard. They've heard War Pigs. They've heard Paranoid. They've heard Iron Man. Yep. And maybe a couple of others, but those are the main ones. And so I've always kind of viewed uh, as I kind of transitioned from being a more casual fan of Black Sabbath to be a going deeper into it and having a real appreciation for a lot more of their music. I, for a long time, and I still feel this way about Iron Man, but I always kind of thought of Paranoid as more of the commercial song. It felt more like this was the more easily digestible Black Sabbath song that played really well on the radio that a lot of people knew, but it wasn't really uh, emblematic of what they really are as a band. And there was almost a part of me that was like, why is it Paranoid and Iron Man that are the ones that everybody knows and not some of the other ones that I thought were even far superior um, that people don't know as much or people haven't really heard. Uh, so for a while I was like, eh, whatever, Paranoid. I wasn't that into it. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, it's still a Black Sabbath song, so <laughs> I'll always enjoy it, but uh, I wasn't that into Paranoid. However, I read at one point, I believe it was, I was reading the book, The Complete History of Black Sabbath, and I forget who wrote it, but someone wrote the foreword for that book. And they were talking about how their first real introduction to Black Sabbath was hearing Paranoid. And they really talked about what the lyrics meant to them uh, and how uh, to, to hear this plight of this person uh, and, uh, and just how it struck them and, and really breaking down what the words meant and meant to them specifically. And it was really when the song was recontextualized in that sense 
that I began to appreciate it a lot more. And I always loved Tony solo uh, in that. And I always liked the main riff, but it just kind of felt like a one note song. But once I really understood more of the deeper complexities and the nuance of what was actually being said in the song, I've come to absolutely love this song. Very well put. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so it's, it's a really, really well done one. And it's funny to me that we're talking about the layer of complexity and nuance relating to a song that was written in about 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like to me, that's, that's incredible. Um, And it's interesting to me because uh, when you read up about the song, um, they geezer Butler, who's the bassist wrote, most of the lyrics for the band uh and so he wrote the lyrics for this song he didn't they told him oh the album's gonna be called paranoid because originally it was gonna be named after war pigs but then they changed it to paranoid he didn't know what the word paranoid meant and as (laughs) and as evident by the song the feelings and the emotions and everything that's going on in the song has nothing to do with paranoia. <laughs> no, no, there's really no mention of that whatsoever. I don't even really think about that though, but now that you mention it, it's yeah. more about, it's kind of not in the paranoia direction, more in the despair, I guess, hopelessness, Yeah, I guess. Uh, and so, yeah, he, he didn't know what the word paranoid meant. So he, <laughs> he took what he thought the word meant and yeah, wrote the song. Yeah, he had a good song. educated guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not quite. He, though. Geezer did his best, yeah, um, but uh, no, I I think this is a great song, and it's 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 one of those that yes, it does have that sort of commercial value, uh, and I don't want to be down putting uh, songs that have commercial value because I don't think inherently there's anything wrong with that. Um, it's more that I think when a song is crafted to be played on the radio or it's made for that function, it can, uh, lack in quality sometimes, or they're kind of, the band will be overlooking what they should be looking at, which is making a great song, making a great album with the idea of trying to get on the radio. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Making, making music is like, if you try to conform yourself to, oh, I want to write like this exact kind of song or I want to write this exact kind of structure or something that will exactly fit on, you know, the radio or something, perhaps. If you have that sort of specific vision in mind and you kind of don't, you're, it's fine to like have a goal of what you want it to sound mm-hmm. like or themes like that. But if that's like your only things that you want and you're not letting it develop naturally, uh, it can yeah like what you said it kind of loses quality or you're you're forcing something to be something that it doesn't want to be you know yeah very vaguely put but um i don't think this song is doing that definitely i think yeah they kind of were in the circumstance where they're like oh let's just kind of bang something out and their quick thinking mindset of it just seems to result in let's just write a short pop pop song basically with rock elements to it you know that's basically what they're doing um, yeah but you know i think a lot of their other songs you can tell are more thought through that have different parts with lots of different changes this is more of a steady beat like you were saying much less compared to their other songs and that's fine it's two two different kinds of songwriting and they're both present in this album which i think is cool to have like i said a multifaceted album like this definitely i, I definitely agree uh and this was something i was talking about uh during the album black sabbath as well 
was there's sort of different, there's different kinds of Sabbath songs in that you have the songs where they have, they're longer. I, it seems to me like the average length for a Black Sabbath song is about maybe six to seven minutes, uh, yeah. average length. Uh, and you have those songs have more like four or five different riffs to them. They have different parts. They have different segments. They can, they kind of weave between different uh, riffs and different sets and kind of maneuver all over the place, uh, which is, which I think is really interesting. And then you have the songs like this one, like St. Vitus's dance more along the line of uh, wicked world or the wizard where they have more like one or two main riffs that it kind of goes between, and they're also shorter. Uh, and I think for these kinds of songs, um, these that works well if the song is on the shorter side. I feel like if this song was maybe another two minutes, it <laughs> you would have been over it already. But the fact that it's more <laughs> condensed, uh, the fact that they're only really going between one or two main riffs and that it just kind of has that steady beat to it. Uh, the fact that the riffs themselves are interesting enough. It's one of those, Paranoid has one of those riffs that you just want to listen to over and over and over again. And so it works in favor of the song that it is just that over and over and over again. However, if it went much longer than it is right now, it would have become redundant. Yeah, exactly. And I think it ended up in a good place. And it's not even the shortest song on this album, too. Uh, yeah. Rat Salad's the shortest song on this album, which is also a great song. And a great song title. I think that's my favorite Black Sabbath song title is Rat Salad. <laughs> it's, it, they have some very interesting uh, song titles. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was mentioning on the last one, some of their song titles just make sense for what the songs are. Uh, and then some of them are just really out there, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which, which are fun. <laughs> Uh, they, they have some interesting song titles. Uh, Absolutely. But uh, before we wrap this up, do you, do you have any other final thoughts on the song Paranoid or some other comments you wanted to make about the album? Yeah, definitely. While, as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's a song that was probably considered my favorite Black Sabbath song at some point or one that is probably one of the most important to me. Having listened to them a lot more in depth, I'd say like that's nowhere near the truth anymore because there's so many other aspects of their music that i never knew existed hmm. yeah that's interesting and i think that plays yeah. right into what i was saying before about paranoid and war pigs and iron man being those songs that really are the ones that people who only hear sabbath and passing know but then you get deeper into their music and then into the void comes up and children of the grave comes up symptom of the universe the writ uh killing yourself to live all these other ones just sort of kind of come up and you realize oh shit they have some really good music <laughs> yeah no and uh children of the graves i think might be my favorite song by them still yeah uh, i think the, the next one we're about to listen to is also in that uh top spot in contention yes uh when we do our uh reaction commentary for electric funeral you'll be joining us for that one as well which will be great and we may just have to get you on board for uh children of the grave yeah I think I think that that is an order. Yep, that's going to have to happen. <laughs> so, anyways, Johnny, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this. You, uh, your band, Debt, just released a new album. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? 
Yeah, so uh, we're a group of guys. We play some rock music. If you like Black Sabbath, you probably won't like us, but um, that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, check us out at DebtBandMA on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and we just put out an album a couple of weeks ago, the first uh, full-length LP, so check it out. Nice. Thanks for having me, Nathaniel. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for joining and helping me out with this. Uh, So to you guys, I want to know, what do you think of the song Paranoid? What do you think of the album overall? And what do you think about what we've been talking about? Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Leave all your thoughts in the comment section below. We've done War Pigs, we've done Paranoid, and now we are moving on to Planet Caravan. And... Now, I always say that every Sabbath album has the slower song. You know, each album kind of has this faster pace tempo to it. They all kind of have this similar consistency to them. Uh, and then each album has the one song where things are a little bit slower. For Paranoid, it's this one, Planet Caravan, Master of Reality, it's Solitude, Changes for Volume 4. Each album has that song where they kind of slow things down. And I really like that because it differentiates the album. You know, it, it changes things up. And that is indicative of Sabbath's approach with a lot of their music, where they're constantly trying to do new things. They're trying to change things up. It goes back to the idea that I talked about with their first studio album, where they're trying to grow and evolve and change. Each riff has that, each song has that, each album has that. And it's just this constant uh, thing all the way through all of their albums. And so I really like with these songs that you get with Planet Caravan, with Solitude, with Changes, uh, you really get just a moment to take a break, to breathe. Uh, and this song in particular has this very sort of relaxing tone to it. It's chilling, not in like a scary way, but just very relaxing. And you just kind of feel like you're floating through space. Um, and it, it just has that great sound to it. I really like the, the instruments that they bring in to kind of give this sort of ambience, this sort of craft, this atmosphere uh, that's just so starkly different from the rest of the album. This is a song I could listen to on repeat to help me fall asleep or something like that. It just has that really nice quality to it. You know, Sabbath is very experimental in terms of they're constantly trying to do new things, as I was mentioning before. Uh, they're trying to use new instruments, they're trying to use something to change the vocals, they're trying to just constantly do new things to keep things interesting and different and unique. And you really do hear that with this song, with the different instruments that they bring in, with this, with just the, the sound of it, with the distortion of Ozzy's vocals. And you hear some of the blues uh, influence that Black Sabbath had. I imagine people listening to this for the first time 
where they've heard Black Sabbath, you hear the doom metal of the opening song, you hear Wicked World, you hear NIB, you have one idea of what this band is like. Then you listen to War Pigs and you listen to Paranoid, and it's sort of different, but it's still within that same consistency. And then you get this song, and it just completely throws a wrench in everything that you thought you knew about this band or what you thought their identity was. And then you have to just, as a Sabbath fan, come to expect that things are constantly going to be changing and evolving. Your idea of what they are is going to change with the next song, and then with the song after that, and with the song after that. And that is just one of the great things that I love about this band, that they're constantly changing and doing something different. Because you see a lot of musicians, of bands, of just singers that try to just keep doing the same thing. They find something that works and they just harp on it until they wear it out. And Black Sabbath did not do that. Even when they found their niche, even when they found what worked for them, they did something completely different. They tried to just flip it on its head and keep doing something different. So that is the end of the song. Um, great song. I love Planet Caravan. Again, starkly different from a lot of their other music. You know, if you're a fan of Supernaut, and if you're a fan of uh, Fairies Wear Boots, and if you're a fan of Black Sabbath, you know, Planet Caravan is very, very, very different from that. It even sounds like it's from a completely different band. If you were just to play Planet Caravan for someone, I don't think they could even tell you who's not initiated with the band. Um, I don't think they could really tell you that it's Black Sabbath. Same goes for Solitude. They just sound so radically different that you would just assume that's from a different band. Um, but Planet Caravan is just a really good song. It has really good flow to it. It has it crafts really interesting ambience and atmosphere. And it's just a very relaxing song, and it really does nicely break up the album, and it just reaffirms for people listening through for the first time that... Black Sabbath is not a band that's going to fall into what works and sticks with that. They're not just going to find their niche and then harp on that until it's dead and gone. No, they're going to constantly try to reinvent themselves, try to do different things. Sometimes that doesn't work. We'll talk about that more once we get to technical ecstasy. Sometimes that doesn't work, but I will always give them full credit for constantly trying to do new things so that is planet caravan my question is to you what do you think about planet caravan is it a song on this album that you really like do you agree with me that you like how it kind of breaks things up or are you somebody where maybe it doesn't quite work for you because it is so different so starkly different from the rest of their songs maybe you're a fan of paranoid and war pigs and iron man and when you get to planet caravan it just kind of slows things down uh let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below And now we're continuing on with Iron Man, which may just be one of, if not their definitive, most popular song that everybody knows. Uh, I have to say up front, before we even listen to it, Iron Man is one of my least favorite uh, Sabbath songs. Uh, and that's not to take anything away from the great riff that Tony created, because Tony created an all-time classic great riff uh, for the song it, it's fantastic it's just that to me 
when I listen to this song, it sort of, this is more the pump up song. You know, this is more the radio friendly. And I talked about this with Paranoid. It's more the radio friendly. It's more of the great song that you play at shows that gets everyone pumped up than one of the really strong, powerful Sabbath songs like a Black Sabbath or like an NIB or, uh, you know, War Pigs where, you know, it has a little bit more substance to it. Now, I will say, I saw Sabbath live. This was before um, I was as big into them as I am now. I saw them live when they were doing their uh, end tour. And even though Iron Man is not my favorite of their songs, Iron Man was the best song that they played during that show. And I think the reason why, and when you listen to the song, it really sounds to me that this was a song that was written and crafted to be the pump-up song. At shows, This was the one to get everyone, you know, excited and engaged and start going in the mosh pit and you'll get everyone revved up and excited. And as a pump up song, it's fantastic. It's just as a Sabbath song with what I associate with Sabbath, which with what I look for in Sabbath songs, what I like so much, it doesn't quite have that. And it's more of just the popularized version of Sabbath. So uh, let's just get into the song, though. We're going to listen to this. Uh, this is Iron Man off of the album Paranoid. I've never liked that part. I gotta be honest. I've never liked the I am, I am. I'm sorry. That's a little cheesy for me. kind of almost immediately takes me out of the song but then Tony's all-time great riff just comes right in I mean it's obviously for me since I'm saying the song ranks lower for me it's not one of my all-time favorite Tony riffs uh, but it's a great Tony riff it's one everybody recognizes it's one everyone knows So, the thing with Iron Man is, I like the sound of it, it's just, and even with Ozzy singing, it just so much just kind of falls into the rhythm of the guitar that it doesn't really distinguish itself from anything else. And Paranoid has a similar sort of, I don't want to say issue, but just stylistic choice, where he's just sort of singing to the same tune of the guitar, whereas there are other songs that they do where he's singing against the main rhythm. And there's not to say that one is better than the other. I just think in these cases with Iron Man and with Paranoid, it just sort of makes the dynamicism of the vocals just kind of not stand out in the same way. It just kind of falls into the overall uh, rhythm of the song. Very interesting, like, science fiction uh, tinge to this to the lyrics. You don't really see too, too much science fiction with their songs. You get fantasy, and you get realism, but not as much science fiction. And even something like Into the Void, where you could kind of say that sort of science fiction, also has more of like the religious element coming in when it's Judgment Day, which isn't as prevalent in science fiction.
See, I just hear this and I just think this is the pump up song to get everybody at the show excited and ready to go. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you're playing live shows and Black Sabbath, I mean, I think it's kind of fair to say that they they cared a little bit more, especially Ozzy, cared a little bit more about the shows than they did the albums. And that's not wrong. I mean, you make one album and then you play so many shows after that, like you're playing multiple shows a day in some cases. So it makes sense that you're putting a lot of your time and your effort when you're writing and making albums. You're thinking about the fact that you're going to be playing those uh, at shows almost every single day. So it makes sense that they would want to have a song like this where it's a song to get everybody in the audience riled up and ready to go and excited. It just makes sense, but listening to it um, on my phone on Spotify or listening to it on a record, it doesn't have that same quality that you have when it's live. And again, when I saw them live, Iron Man was the best performance, and I think that's just because that's how this song was created. That's how this song was crafted. It was meant to be that. And so, while that's great for them while they play live, the flip side of that is when I'm listening to them on Spotify or I'm listening to my record, Iron Man doesn't have the same power. But, you know, it is what it is. I don't know, part of me also feels like, I think this is like, it's a fine song, like it's good, it's fine. Um, it's not nearly like top tier Sabbath for me, like what I contend to be Sabbath's great stuff, like Supernaut and Killing Yourself to Live and, and The Writ and like, you know, these songs that are like, this is top, top tier Sabbath. Uh, and so for me, I kind of feel like it's, it's hard for me that this is the song that everybody who doesn't know Sabbath knows and not what I contend to be what is like core Sabbath. So maybe there's a little bit of unfair resentment on Iron Man for that, but that's just kind of how I feel, you know? And again, it sounds like I'm trashing the song and I, I'm, I guess I'm more critical than trashing it. It's just that knowing the great lengths that Sabbath can go to and their top, top songs. This just isn't one of them for me. And so I listen to it and it's good and it's fine. It's just, but you know, it's not killing yourself to live. It's not super not. It's not snow blind. It's not into the void. It's not under the sun. It's not Johnny Blade. It's not never say die, you know. But it's good. So that was Iron Man. Um, I, I kind of said all of my thoughts while the song was going on. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good song. It's a fine song. Um, but it's one of the lower ranked songs for me, um, for Sabbath. It's just, it's, I feel like there's so many songs that are just so much more than this one. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's fine. It's good. So question is, what do you guys think? I want to know as Sabbath fans, as like knowing all Sabbath songs 
really enjoying them. Is Iron Man one of your favorites? I always kind of think of this song as one of those where if you don't really know Sabbath, but you know some of their songs, Iron Man is one of the ones you know. And for a lot of people, I'm sure, Iron Man and Paranoid were those songs that were sort of your introduction to Sabbath. And then that kind of got the ball rolling. So my question is to you, now that you know all of Sabbath's songs and you are more familiar with them, is Iron Man still one of your favorites? Or is it more of like a nostalgic thing? Like, this was my introduction to Sabbath, so it will always have a special place for me, even if I think there are other songs that are better. I'm curious. Leave your thoughts in the comment section below. I'm your host, Nathaniel Mulder. We're joined once again by Johnny Gifford. Johnny, thanks for being here. Of course, as always. Now, you were with us a couple of songs ago uh, for Paranoid, which you helped yes. us talk about. Um, which that was a great discussion. So now we are back and we are talking about Electric Funeral, uh, which is one of uh, the very interesting songs here on the album Paranoid. We are, of course, going through the entire album of Paranoid, uh, making our way through the album. Uh, and so now we are continuing with Electric Funeral. Johnny, are you ready to listen to this song? I've never been more ready in my life. All right, then let's do it. We are listening to Electric Funeral. And now. I love this. You know, I've never really paid attention much to the lyrics of this song, but I've listened to it a lot solely for the musical aspect. It's just like, for me, it's one big curve. Hmm. It's like we start off the slow, sludgy riff. It's great. Middle gets so just banging and like lots of energy, and then it comes comes right back down for a while. Really cool. Yeah. It has that like. What can you tell me about the lyrics? So the lyrics are all about um, nuclear annihilation, which is really interesting Uh, because Paranoid is probably Black Sabbath's most political album. They have War Pigs, which is all about war, obviously. Uh, They have uh, this song, which is about nuclear annihilation, and and because you know this is taking place in 1970, which is the height of you know scares around nuclear war uh they have hand of doom which is all about heroin overdoses so they have a lot of different political ideas going on throughout this uh album and this is probably one of their best definitely yeah i forgot hand of doom was about um like heroin and addiction and overdose i thought hand of doom was the one about um nuclear annihilation but i guess like a yeah too mixed up but yeah dying world radiation Victims of man's frustration, burning globe of obscene fire, like electric, like electric pure old fire. fire, fire. There it is, folks. There it is. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those and songs. The yes, this is one of those songs we were talking about that kind of has like a few different riffs that kind of goes back and forth. Uh, I do love sort of the meandering, and I think uh, something that they do with this song. I feel like this the tone of the song and the cadence of the song almost takes on nuclear war itself because you sort of have this like slower build all the way through the song and then it hits all of a sudden which is exactly kind of like starting to get to that yeah we're starting to get to that climax point it's like it's ramping up tell every everything dropped out a little bit drum start layers come layers come Mm. and then here we go this is the part where the mosh pit would go crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Oh, and I love all the lyrics through this. It's just all craziness and, and mayhem. Especially these lyrics specifically during this part are very, they evoke a lot of imagery of just mm. chaos. Exactly. Things crashing down, rivers turning to mud, eyes melting into blood. Yeah, that was something I was talking about with their self-titled album, is that they have a lot of songs where they just very strongly invoke imagery, and they do that a lot with their first song, Black Sabbath. It's all about, like, uh, distinct imagery about chaos and mayhem, and you have that specifically in this song as well. You know, did you hear that that voice that just said Electric Funeral? Is that yeah. Ozzy? That is, I, it is Ozzy because... Uh, I believe at least, because when you watch them perform the song live, he does that part himself. Okay. Um, I think they just kind of like, like augmented I, it a little bit. Yeah, because I could totally hear it as being his voice, but it's just so different from how he normally mm. sings that I like. I have to ask myself for a while, for a little bit. You know? See, that's the thing with Ozzy singing, because he apparently he does when uh, another song uh, that we talked about on this thing uh, on this album planet caravan he sings that one and it's a very different from his normal singing he sings on uh master of reality he sings solitude which sounds nothing like ozzy uh and it's really even now the amount of times i've listened to solitude i still listen to it and i'm thinking this can't be ozzy this can't be him this sounds nothing like him but it is I feel like like 75 to 80 percent of their songs he's singing like he you know is yeah. throughout most of the song and then sometimes he'll throw something totally different out that just I, I just always thought it was a different singer or something yeah I was like oh does Tony sing here and there something or there are only two there are only two songs uh, in the entire original run that drummer Bill Ward sang, which was It's All yeah. Right on Technical Ecstasy. And then the final yep. song, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name of Never Say Die. Um, I don't know why I'm forgetting it. Um, oh, this is killing me. I'm not a true Black Sabbath fan. I don't remember the last <laughs> song. Uh, but anyways, the last okay. track on Never Say Die, uh, he, oh, uh, Swinging the Chain. He sings that one. But those are the only two that uh, Bill Ward sings. Uh, and the rest of it, whether it sounds like him or not, it is Ozzy, which is really, uh, which is really crazy to me. Uh, Tony always said that uh, Ozzy Osbourne ha can have a voice that is really gifted for singing ballads, which is something you would never expect. But not at all. But when you listen to something like Solitude, you can hear that. Yeah, that, that's pretty much a, ba a ballad. I feel like it's very ballad-like, yeah. and his singing style here really fits the genre it fits the mood but it's nowhere near that <laughs> yeah it, that that's something about ozzy osbourne is that i feel like hit his type of singing was always tailored to the kind of music that he was doing and i feel like he always had the ability to go beyond that to step outside of that but he didn't because black sabbath was what black sabbath was and then when he was fired from black sabbath he tried to do his I say try as if he didn't succeed. He did his solo career, which was kind of building on that, but also kind of adjusting things more for what the 80s were and going more into a more hard rock rather than a heavy metal. Uh, and so he was always just kind of staying within these bounds that he had initially uh, set himself up in. Uh, but I always, it sounds at least to me, when you hear him sing on Solitude, 
or Planet Caravan, or where you hear someone like Tony Iommi talking about Ozzy's singing abilities, it really sounds like he does actually have the potential to go outside of that. He just doesn't really. Yeah, exactly. And when you hear those few songs that he breaks from that mold, you can you know that he yeah. does have that ability. But he yeah. sings how he wants to sing in uh, yeah. Black Sabbath, and it's still absolutely perfect. Yeah. And that was something I think for Black Sabbath fans that many Black Sabbath fans had to have this sort of discussion when Ozzy left and Dio came on as the lead singer. Because I think if you look at pure singing ability, I think Dio has <laughs> is a more talented singer than Ozzy Osbourne. But there is something missing about the song, the Black Sabbath songs when Dio sang that did not distinctly feel like Black Sabbath anymore, even though you still had Tony, even though you still had Geezer, even though you still, I believe you still had Bill, um, even though you had them and it was just a new singer, there was something missing from that. And I think even though, and this is the enigma of Ozzy Osbourne, is that even though he is not the world's most technically proficient singer, there is a unique quality to him that, is unattainable <laughs> you know it like you can't really recreate it. It, it there's something unspoken about how he sings songs and what he does with it that really for the right kind of band really elevates it in a way that even a more proficient singer like a uh, uh ronnie james dio coming in can't necessarily replicate and even if you're a more talented singer it doesn't mean that you're going to be a better singer for whatever project you're working on opposed to some other vocal style like you mm -hmm. can strictly have a better voice and be a better singer yeah but but often people are drawn towards you know you call it bad singing but I, I mean in a lot of music i listen to the singing isn't necessarily like completely on par even for my own music i'll admit my singing is not like divine or pristine but there's a certain quality to that like mm -hmm depending on the musical accompaniment. And with this, with Black Sabbath, I think Ozzy's kind of strained and somewhat nasally uh, voice as well, especially when he's exploding. And when the guitars are exploding, they just mm -hmm. work really well together, I think. Yeah. And having just a strictly more talented singer who knows how to you know, hit pitches and control their voice and maybe even use vibrato in their voice, whatever, um, for these songs, I, I don't even know if that would, if that would fit as well as Ozzy's voice does. It's yeah. more raw. It feels more raw. Yeah, and especially when you get to some of the songs which are more emotionally charged, like The Rit yeah. or any of these other songs, uh, you, you feel that. It feels more earnest because it does have that raw ability. And something that I don't think a lot of people give Ozzy credit for is his range in really hitting the high notes when he needs to. You definitely hear that when it comes to Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. He really hits those high notes or Symptom of the Universe. Um, and th that's something that when he needs to, he can really do very interesting things with his voice. He's not one note. Uh, but it's really the tone of his singing that works so mm -hmm. well with what the tone of these songs are. And you can really like hear and feel him pushing it when he's pushing it. You know, on, yeah. the, on the the few moments that he really does hit really high notes like that, you can feel that like he's really straining himself for it. Yeah. <laughs> which which I mean I guess is a bad thing for your voice because that's something I do a lot. Is mm -hmm. I strain myself 
but I think honestly it kind of results in a more emotional and more emotive product. Yeah. Um, which I think he, he does a good job of in Black Sabbath as well. Definitely. Um, bringing it back to the song Electric Funeral. Uh, so I was mentioning a little bit about how the structure of the song in terms of its speed and its tempo almost replicates the sort of rising tensions in nuclear war. Um, that is something I think they do really interestingly in being able to evoke moods with some of their songs. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of songs are about crafting atmosphere. Um, and, uh, there was, what was it? It was uh, a bit of finger, which is part of the last track of, of, uh, of the black Sabbath album. It's a bit of finger slash sleeping village slash warning. You have this opening that hat that I always kind of described as feeling almost like a swamp with like a frog. You just kind of, it, it's this very interesting. It just kind of casts this atmosphere. Uh, and you see that with a lot of their songs is that they are able to really distinctly create an atmosphere and a tone and also use their, the instruments that they have and the sounds that they are creating uh, together to replicate other sounds to kind of go along with uh, what it is they're actually singing about. And so that was something I thought they do a really good job with on Electric Funeral. Oh, yeah, especially in the song. I mean, like we mentioned with the whole middle part just being that chaotic imagery. And I, I want to look at the lyrics now, the end. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah. it slows down a lot more. It feels, feels more angelic. And then it starts talking about heaven's golden chorus sings, hell's angels flap their wings. It feels more post-climactic. It feels more uh, slower, I guess. Yeah. Uh, for lack of a better term. Yeah, kind of after you have the nuclear explosions, then it's all still again. Yep. And that's exactly how the song feels, too. They do, they do a great job of carrying out that whole storyline. Yeah. So... Uh, this is a really great song. Uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't put it as my favorite song of the album. It may not be a top two or three of the album, but mm-hmm. it's a great song. I always love listening to it uh, whenever I do. And I, I just love that middle part when it really picks up. So it's so, it's so rewarding because the parts around it are so, so much more drawn back. Like it, it really emphasizes that middle climax, which just hearing it comparative, like hearing it in context makes mm-hmm. it that much better in my eyes. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's rewarding. And they do this yeah. with a lot of their songs because you have a slow build up to something. And then that thing is really rewarding because you've been building to it this entire time. Absolutely. So uh, before we sign off, do you have any closing thoughts on uh, Electric Funeral? I uh, definitely enjoy doing this one with you a lot. So thank you for having me. Yeah, um, no problem. No really further thoughts about the song. I think we just about covered it. So, well, thank you, Johnny Gifford, for joining me for this. Uh, so did you want to plug your band real quick? Yeah. Um, so if you listen to the Paranoid episode, you heard me already uh, self self uh, <laughs> advertise myself. But I'm in a band called Debt. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, at Deaf Band MA and listen to our album on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever that we just put out first full length. Definitely. There, there might be a couple moments on it where you might be like, oh, I like Black Sabbath, so I like this. Like thinking <laughs> about it, 
there's definitely yeah. a couple moments where we kind of get to that that level of heaviness but it's very they're very few and far between which i think makes it it's that same thing it feels more rewarding when you get to it there's your incentive you know yeah. you feel like you're getting a reward by sitting through the rest of it <laughs> <laughs> definitely johnny thank you so much for joining me for this uh, and for you guys watching, uh, let me know, what do you think of Electric Funeral? What do you think about what Johnny and I were talking about? Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Uh, leave all your thoughts in the comment section below. And we have gone all the way up to Electric Funeral. And now, today, we're going to be listening to Hand of Doom. So without any further ado, let's get started. And we're going to listen to Hand of Doom. And now. I love this slow open. It really goes back into this idea that I've been talking about all along with Black Sabbath. That they have these different speeds, like they'll do the slow parts and then they'll do the fast parts. They kind of have this differing pace all the way through their music within each song. And I think Hand of Doom is a very good early example of that sort of approach that they take. I talked before about how Paranoid is probably the most political Black Sabbath album, uh, mainly because of War Pigs, and you have Electric Funeral, which is about nuclear war. Uh, Hand of Doom is the other one on there that's really political, but it's not to the same degree as, say, War Pigs or, or um, Electric Funeral. I think those are a lot more blatant about it. Whereas Hand of Doom is more about, it's about heroin use, and it's about veterans coming back from Vietnam, uh, which War Pigs also kind of tackles Vietnam. But you have veterans coming back from Vietnam, and uh, as we know kind of historically, they were not really met with any sort of, they didn't have the same sort of uh, celebration that veterans from World War II had, you know. That was more seen as more of a just war, whereas Vietnam was war that had a lot of iffy parts about why we were even fighting it. Um, and so the veterans from Vietnam were not very welcome. They lost a lot of things when they came back, and there was a lot of heroin use within the Vietnam veterans, and so this song really kind of tackles that element of it. But it's done in a little more of a subtle way than, say, War Pigs or Electric Funeral, which I think, for the betterment of those songs, those are very flagrantly political songs, whereas this, it's a little bit more obscured, but it's still there. This whole part is probably my favorite of uh, of the um, the song. Like just the upbeat, like it kind of comes back up. Tony brings it home. You have the, like the the tempo change. You have the very uh, slow start. It's like slower. It's methodical. It's a little more haunting. It's sort of reminiscent of their first song, Black Sabbath, in a very kind of similar way that it's very slow uh, and you kind of have more of a haunting Aussie voice um, with that song. And then Hand of Doom, sort of the opening, has that. But then as you go into this part of the song, it kind of takes on more of a quality similar to that of the song Paranoid or some of that other part. So it's really kind of, in a very interesting way, 
a blend between Sabbath of the original album and then sort of the Sabbath that came about within the recording of Paranoid. It kind of bridges the two together in a very uh, interesting way, and I think through the sort of contrasting parts of the song, where you have that slower start and then you have this part that kind of comes in, those are very distinctly contrasted within the song, and I think that all the more contrasts the difference and sort of the evolution that Sabbath has had within the very short amount of months that separated Black Sabbath and Paranoid. And as I've mentioned before, like you see this a lot, especially in Sabotage. Once we get into the Sabotage album, I'll talk more about this. But this idea of just like stark tempo changes within each song. Like you go, you have really heavy, fast parts and you have much more slower, melodic parts. Uh, a lot of that you see in Sabotage and you definitely see that in Hand of Doom. And I think that's very evident of Sabbath's whole approach to all their albums has been constantly pushing the envelope, constantly trying to do new things and trying to branch out and grow and do new things. They're never trying to stay the same, you know. They're never trying to be exactly what they were on the last album, on the last song, or even in the last riff, you know. Every single element, every single second of every single Sabbath song over the course of the eight albums was all about change. And um, I, I really like that element about them. And you definitely hear that here with Hand of Doom. I love the drums in this. It's got the great like bass riff. And then you have the drums. You can kind of hear some of the blues element coming in that was sort of the, the foundational basis for Sabbath and main influence. It goes from very quiet and not having too much power to it to, to very quickly gaining a lot of power and strength. I, I think that's that's symbolic of Sabbath as in general. Their ability to kind of be sort of far quieter and smaller and then in an instant grow to be this giant um, powerhouse. And I'm not necessarily talking commercially or in terms of popularity, but within even the music itself, they have that quality. Ozzy's great on this track. His, his voice fits this so perfectly. And we go back to the quiet uh, outro. Alright, 
And that is the end of Hand of Doom. As I kind of said throughout the, the song, I think one of the biggest elements of that song is how you have the very quiet part and then immediately go into the heavier, louder parts, um, which is very symbolic and evident in uh, Sao's later works. They do that a lot, but you kind of see the seeds of that. Uh, and I do think you do have that interesting sort of contrast between the sound and the feel of the first album uh, with the sound and feel of the second album. Because as we're seeing, as we go through, they change a lot in the very short amount of time from when Black Sabbath is released to when Paranoid is recorded and then ultimately put out. They go through a big change in terms of the sound of Ozzy's voice to the overall musical direction and sound of the band. And I know that when they were first playing shows and whatnot, they were kind of experimenting with a lot of different things. They're experimenting with Black Sabbath, the song, which ultimately set the direction of the band entirely. Uh, but they were also playing, para uh, not Paranoid, they are also playing War Pigs, and they are playing Iron Man, and they are kind of workshopping these songs. Uh, and so it all kind of grew outside of uh, this sort of basis that they were creating in terms of the songs that they were making and playing at shows, seeing what worked, seeing what didn't work, having these, they, they really, and, and this is really evident when you go back and you watch a lot of the live footage of Black Sabbath. They were tailoring a lot of what they were creating and writing to the live audience. You know, I... I, think, I don't think they were necessarily, and I'm not presuming to be able to get inside the heads of, of people I've never met, but I don't think they were really working on this music as much uh, to be able, to, for someone 50 years later, to be able to put it on and listen to it and say X, Y, and Z about it. I don't think that's really what they had in mind when they were creating this music. What they were focused on was the shows that they were going to be playing because they create one album and then they, for the next however many months, they're touring the world playing at least one show a night, if not several a night. They're the ones who have to play that music over and over and over and over and over again. So it would just make sense that they are tailoring the album and the music that they are creating in general for the live show, for the live audience, that that's what they have in mind, because that's the thing that they're going to be doing for the next however many months it will be. And so it makes sense. And so what I find interesting, looking at their music, as someone who has pretty much up until this point really uh, experienced and digested it through the lens of listening to an audio recording decades later, to kind of put it, look at it through the lens of a live performance, a live audience, and that that's what they were sort of targeting when they created it in the first place. It's interesting that the songs are as dynamic as they are and sort of go against the convention because I guess that was part of that was part of the larger appeal. To watch a live performance of Hand of Doom and just have that one bass riff just kind of very quietly going uh, and you kind of have everyone in the audience silent. You know, and then to go into the, the roar of the main part of the song to kind of have those quieter parts when you're thinking about um, a live audience. I, I think that shows a lot of just uh, ingenuity on their part. 
and innovation to really kind of capitalize on these moments. And they know if we go quiet here, we're going to get the audience. They're going to be listening our, at our every sound that they're going to be drawn in. And then we hit them hard with this really loud part. And they're kind of arc, uh, architecting theater in that way. You know, it kind of feels a little more operatic, you know. And so I, I think it's a very interesting way to kind of look at the, the band as a whole and the music, especially their earlier music. Um, which was all sort of kind of uh, derived from live performances that they were doing, and then the albums were made from that, and then subsequently they kind of then made the album f first and then played that at the live show, so you kind of have that reverse later on in their career. But anyways, those are my thoughts on Hand of Doom. My question is to you, what do you think? What do you think about Hand of Doom? Is it one of your favorite songs off of Paranoid? Is it one of your least favorite? Where does it rank in general? Uh, leave me all of your thoughts in the comment section below. Our last one that we did was Hand of Doom, and now we're moving on to their first instrumental that they really ever did. I mean, technically, if you want to look at the first Black Sabbath album, you could break that album down into smaller parts that have more instrumentals. But I know at least when I listen to it on Spotify and kind of how it's broken down for the record, they kind of lump the instrumental parts in with other songs. So it's all kind of connected into one as opposed to having standalone instrumental parts. So I kind of look at the song we're going to be looking at today, Rat Salad, as the first true instrumental on a Black Sabbath album. So it's going to be interesting to look at that. How I'm going to do instrumentals going forward is that I think for some of the smaller ones, like say Embryo, uh, I'll just kind of connect that to Children of the Grave. Like if it's a shorter one, I'll kind of connect it to another one because there's no real purpose in doing a review of a 30-second instrumental. However, uh, some of the other instrumentals, I'm just going to review all the instrumentals because they're, they're great. I mean, they're not songs the same way that, you know, like Laguna Sunrise isn't a song the same way that, um, I don't know, Children of the Grave is. But, you know, it's still something to listen to and it's something, especially Laguna Sunrise, which is awesome. I want to be able to appreciate the, the sounds that they're creating and the music that they're creating. So we are going to be looking at all the instrumentals. I may lump some of them in, depending upon their length, with some other songs. But I will be doing all the instrumentals, so don't you worry about that. So we're going to start things off uh, and we're going to be listening to Rat Salad. So uh, that's going to start right about now. This is cool. A friend of mine, uh, his favorite Black Sabbath song of all time is Rat Salad. He's a drummer, um, and so I think he really appreciates the drumming in this, which obviously the drumming is fantastic, so that might push it a little bit uh, over the edge for him, uh, but uh, yeah, this is his favorite. Oh, 
running is great in this. You know, this is this is the time in the live show that Bill Ward gets to just shine. Oh, to see this live, to see this live, to be in the audience and watching this, I, I can't even imagine. That's a great song. That is a great. That that's got to be one of my top instrumentals, if not my favorite. Uh, I'll probably be able to give a more educated answer about that. Uh, once we listen to a few more, because Laguna Sunrise is fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, Rat Salad. <laughs> rat Salad. Uh, I love the drums. I mean, this is this is clearly, like, this is the point that they're like, okay, everyone kind of just backs away for a second, and they're like, Bill Ward, we give it to you. Take the reins. Do as you please. And he just comes in, and he just slays everything uh it, it's 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 fantastic um and i like you you know because that is a part of the live show that they would have done you know you you have your guitar solo you have your drum solo you know they're going to in the middle of the show at some point they are going to give it over to bill ward to do his thing and that is one of the benefits of the fact that they recorded paranoid and Black Sabbath, where they're kind of just recording their live show. You know, they weren't really making an album. They were recording what they had already been playing at that point. And so it's great to, on this album, to be able to hear that part of the live show where they're like, all right, Bill Ward, do your thing. And he just goes nuts on the drums. It, it's great to be able to hear that. And then, you know, Tony Iommi just sort of very seamlessly and effortlessly creates this awesome riff to kind of coincide with it it's it's great to listen to i love it so anyways that's my thoughts on rat salad question is what do you think about rat salad would you say it's one of your favorite instrumentals for black sabbath or maybe even just favorite songs in general or would you say there are some other instrumentals maybe laguna sunrise maybe something else that kind of uh overtakes rat salad for you i want to know leave your thoughts in the comment section below We are finishing up our look at the 1970 Black Sabbath album, Paranoid. We have done it all. We've gone through the whole album. This is the final one. So we're going to be finishing up with this final song off of the album. Then we'll be doing our album review. And then we will be taking a look at all the comments that you guys have been leaving in the comments section. 
uh, for Paranoid. So let's not waste any more time and let's take a listen to Jack the Stripper slash Fairies Wear Boots. And now. Very, uh, we don't get to hear it now, but it's a very nice flow between Rat Salad right into Fairies Wear Boots. I love this riff. This whole opening part of the song kind of reminds me of the part of the album for Black Sabbath where you have a bit of finger sleeping village warning where it just kind of goes off on its own path and just kind of goes into this sort of guitar interlude a riff interlude uh it this is very kind of reminiscent of that part because it kind of goes off on its own track and you kind of have a similar thing with into the void the very beginning where you just kind of have this elongated opening before you actually get to the the lyrics so good. So, I've always kind of taken this song, because I know when, when, um, it's, it's an interesting song. I know that when people hear it for the first time, or at least just hear the title, some people wonder whether this is a, like a homophobic song, or if that's what it's about. I've never taken it that way. Um, I, I, I can see why some people may initially draw that, question that. I've never taken that way. I think once you get to the end of the song, it's pretty clear that it's just a song about the band, or Ozzy since he's singing it. Uh, just completely tripping out on drugs and is just seeing things and is just kind of going nuts. I think, I think by the end of the song, I think that kind of becomes clear. And so, you know, he says he sees fairies wearing boots and dancing with a dwarf, and it's just kind of like all this like crazy. But he's like trying, he's going around trying to tell people. He's like, look, this is what I saw. I saw this happen. And he's like, fairies wear boots. Boots. You gotta believe me. They wear boots. And it's just kind of this weird thing, and then he goes to the doctor, and he's just like, Hey, come on, you're, you're drinking and smoking too much, and he's like, Alright, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> it's just kind of a fun song in that way. Oh, I love that part, that sort of... It's so good. I feel like Fairies Wear Boots is a very underrated closer for an album. Because I think like Into the Void is such a strong closing to that album. 
Under the Sun is a very strong closing to that album. The Writ is a strong closing to that album. Um, Spiral Architect is a weaker closing. If we're talking strictly uh, closing songs. Swinging the Chain is a great closer. And then the whole Bit of Finger, Sleeping Village, Warning is a very strong closing to Black Sabbath. I feel like we don't talk as much about Fairies Wear Boots as being a strong closer to this album or being of the closing songs of each album uh it's not talked about as one of the stronger ones i think it really is it kind of it brings all these different elements that the whole album has been going on uh and kind of brings it together in a really powerful punch great riffs He goes to the doctor. Sabbath does these songs where some songs, I, I've talked about this before, where some songs they're kind of describing things and it's more about imagery, and then some songs are telling a story. This is one of those story ones that I, I, I don't think it's the fact that they're telling a story that makes those songs as good as they are. Or rather, I don't know what it is, but just what, I feel like the songs where they're kind of telling a story in the song, it just kind of, it's stronger. And it's just kind of, I prefer those songs, and I really like those songs, and those songs have a lot of power to them. And again, it's not necessarily the fact that they are telling a story, but it's just those songs work so well. I, I don't really know how else to describe it. Great fade out. Perfect. Alright, so that is Fairies Wear Boots. Like I said, great closer for this album. It really does. It brings together like the sounds of Hand of Doom, Rat Salad, Paranoid. It kind of just brings all the, the album together for this song. And, you know, for an album as a whole, and I'll talk more about the album as a whole once I do my album review, but if you're looking at the album as a whole, you have a lot of political things on that album. You know, you're talking about the Vietnam War, you're talking about nuclear war, you're talking about heroin and, and Vietnam veterans, you kind of have all these really strong uh, political elements to the album. That it just kind of makes sense for who Sabbath is as a band for the final song to just be, let's just sing about us tripping out on drugs. <laughs> you know, let's just sing about, let's let's just make a song about our hallucinations because we're drinking and tripping too much. Uh, it, it's, you know, for a song that's as serious as it is, yeah, close with that one. That's a good one to close out with, you know, that kind of just brings it all together. It just reminds people really what Sabbath is and what they're all about. So, um, yeah, I think Fairies Wear Boots is a great closing song, a great song in general, great riffs, and it is a rather underappreciated closing song for 
their albums. So overall, those are my thoughts on Fairies Wear Boots. Question is, guys, what do you think? I want to know what are your thoughts on Fairies Wear Boots? What are your so uh, thoughts on the album in general? Uh, we'll be getting to all of that once I do my comments video uh, for Paranoid. And we have finished our look at the 1970 Black Sabbath album, Paranoid. We've done all the songs from the whole album. Uh, I've done reaction commentary videos for every single one. You can find those on the channel if you have not seen them already. So we finished our look at the album. Uh, and this is my album review. I'm just going to give you my thoughts on the album. But I want to say up front that I will be doing posting in the next few days. Because I want to let this video come out and let there be some comments for this video as well. Uh, I will be doing a video looking at all the comments that you guys post on each of the songs for the Paranoid album, and I'll compile it all, and we will have our uh, look at all of your thoughts on the album. I'll go through all the comments, I'll react to them, I'll give my impressions, I'll give my thoughts. Uh, I did it for the last album, Black Sabbath, and I really like doing it because every episode I say that I want to hear from you guys, I want to hear your thoughts, because this only really works. This is only really effective if I'm kind of starting the conversation and you guys follow through. And that was one of the great things that I found about starting with the first Black Sabbath album was that there was a dialogue going on. It wasn't just me recording a video and throwing it out into the ethosphere of the internet for nobody to listen to, but the fact that you guys were watching and commenting, giving me your thoughts, that to me showed that there were people interested, and you guys pointed out so many things that I didn't think of, that I didn't know about, uh, and it really just helped this overall project, this overall thing, this observation of the Sabbath. It really helped flesh it all out because it was me starting the conversation and you guys continuing it. And I want to do that again for Paranoid because all of your comments are uh, so great for me to look at and I enjoy reading them and I want to be able to let them shine in their own video. So if you have not done it already, go through all of my videos for War Pigs, for Iron Man, for Planet Caravan, for Paranoid, for all of them. Go through, leave me all of your thoughts on each of the songs on the album and I will compile them all, and I will do another video looking at the comments for Paranoid. So with that out of the way, let's talk about Paranoid. Let's talk about this album. Uh, I've been talking a lot about throughout this. Paranoid is always kind of held to be one of the quintessential, if not for some people, the definitive quintessential uh, Black Sabbath album. Now, I think when most people talk about what Black Sabbath is. They talk about Paranoid and they talk about Master of Reality. Uh, two albums that I like very much, but they are not the top tier Sabbath for me. Sabotage is, I think, number one, and I think number two is volume four. Though I will solidify that once we get to the end of this whole look at all their uh, original eight albums plus 13. But Paranoid is often held and regarded as being one of, if not the quintessential Black Sabbath album. And on it are probably the three top most commercial, most popular, most well-known Sabbath songs. You have War Pigs, Paranoid, and Iron Man. 
those are the ones that if you talk to people who aren't really Sabbath fans, who know of Sabbath, who have heard Sabbath, they've probably heard Iron Man, they've probably heard Paranoid, and they've probably heard War Pigs. Uh, they might not know anything else off of that album, but those are the three that they really know. And I think part of that is that you have Black Sabbath as a band. They kick off with Black Sabbath, the album. It goes up the charts. It gets people interested. It gets people going, hey, who are these kids from Birmingham, uh, England? Who are these kids um, from the UK? <laughs> who are these kids making this doom metal? You know, it didn't even have a name. That's the, that's the thing about Black Sabbath is that they were making music that didn't even have a genre. Uh... Iomi and, and Ozzy, they'll all say that they were making hard rock, uh, but it was later classified as heavy metal, which I, I, we could talk, that's a topic for another time, whether or not Black Sabbath is actually heavy metal or not, but they were making music that didn't even have a name. That's how revolutionary they are. They kick off with Black Sabbath, they get things going, they get their name out, and then they followed up strong just a few months later the same year as Black Sabbath, they follow up with Paranoid. And that's this album, I think, that cemented them, that solidified them, that made everybody in the world go, okay, these are people that we need to watch. And then they followed up with Master of Reality, and then they followed up with Volume 4, and then Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, and then Sabotage, and then Technical Ecstasy, and then they get Never Say Die, uh, and then so on and so forth. Paranoid is the one. They started up with Black Sabbath. They introduced the concept of who they are, introduced the DNA of who they are, and then they followed up with, with Paranoid. And that cements it and that solidifies it for them in the world uh, of music and, and really creating this brand new genre of music. Let's look at the album in general. I've been saying this whole time that Paranoid, I believe, is their most political album. And I think it definitely is. If you look at War Pigs, War Pigs is about the Vietnam War. It's all about wards in the title. You have, uh, this isn't really political necessarily, but Paranoid is all about uh, mental illness in a way. It's all about, you know, uh, paranoia and there's some elements of schizophrenia in there. Um, so you have that element in Paranoid and, uh, you know, unable to be happy with yourself. Uh, then you have um, uh, Hand of Doom is about uh, Vietnam veterans coming back and, and having, uh, having uh, heroin overdoses. Um, and you have Electric Funeral, which is all about nuclear war. There's all these political elements going on in this album. And it is their most politically charged album. That's not to say that they didn't revisit politics later on in some of their subsequent albums. So I'd say if you look at each album as a standalone piece, Paranoid is the one that has the most uh, political elements to it. And I think Paranoid is all the stronger for it. You know, to have this album, especially when you're opening with War Pigs, that come out strong, full force with this anti-war anthem. Uh, and that's how you kick off your, your second album that's really cementing you as a band and cementing what will become your legacy. They were bold. They were unafraid, you know. They were going to go for it, and they were going to stick to what they believe. And 
they have this balance when you look at the album as a whole they have this balance of they have the politically charged songs but then they also have fairies wear boots which is just about them tripping out <laughs> and, and and smoking and tripping and drinking just a little bit too bit to the point where they're hallucinating and seeing fairies wearing boots dancing with dwarves you know then they have planet caravan which is just this very relaxing song about floating through space um which I don't know if anyone else heard about this. I heard about it. How with the SpaceX launch that just happened the other day, when the astronauts got into space and they woke up for the first time, they played Planet Caravan <laughs> on the shuttle, which I, I think that's awesome. I saw, I think it was Geezer uh, shared that on Twitter and I saw that and I thought that was awesome. Uh, and he was saying, maybe Into the Void next, which Into the Void, if you look at what that song's about, that might be the next space shuttle launch that we have, is to get the hell off of this planet. But, um, you know, you have Planet Caravan, which is just kind of relaxing. And then you have Iron Man, which is like the, the energizer, get the crowd going, get everyone pumped up. Uh, Electric Funeral, which is about the nuclear war, bring it back to the politics and then hand to doom. And then you get Ratzel, which is the drum solo. Uh, it's a very diverse uh, album. Because you do have the political elements. You have some of the more just let's let the riffs go. Let's let Bill do his thing on the drums. Let's just talk about and sing about how we're smoking a little bit too much. We're tripping a little bit too much. It, it's very diverse and it's very it covers a lot of different aspects. And yet musically it all flows together so well. You know it all flows together so well. Uh, and Paranoid, and I, as I was saying that Paranoid kind of cemented who Black Sabbath is, with Paranoid, you see a very distinct shift in their approach, in their, the musical approach that they have, and sort of their identity. You know, Black Sabbath is very much a darker thing. It has, it's dealing with more satanic, more demonic things. You know, it's heavier, it's more brutal, and Ozzy's voice specifically is a lot kind of heavier. And then you get to Paranoid and his voice is a lot more refined and they're, they're kind of more, a little bit more sleek in terms of uh, their musical approach. And while they were kind of workshopping these songs, the songs from Paranoid and the songs from Black Sabbath, at the same time they were playing shows, the same time that they're playing Black Sabbath, the song, they're playing War Pigs, they're playing uh, Hand of Doom. You know, while they're all kind of workshopping these songs all at the same time, you see between these two albums a stark difference in approach, in style. And I think that's part of, part of what Paranoid does in cementing the legacy of Black Sabbath is it sets the tone for what Master of Reality and Volume 4 and so on are really going to sound like. It's really kind of them having experimented and played around with different things with Black Sabbath with Paranoid, they're now kind of latching onto and locking into what exactly they are. What what are they trying to be? What are they trying to go for? And I've always said, I think I bring it up almost every single video, that Black Sabbath is all about evolution and growth and change. In every single song, in every single riff, in every single album, they're all about constantly changing and growing. They're never trying to stay the same. They're never trying to be the same thing and you see that very distinctly when you go from black sabbath to paranoid but then you also see it going from paranoid to master of reality and we'll talk a lot more about master of reality uh in the coming weeks 
when I start going through and reacting, commenta- commentating uh, for that whole album. Uh, which I will be bringing back some special guests again to help me talk about Master of Reality. But you see these differences. You see this evolution. You see this growth from album to album, from song to song, from riff to riff. So, wrapping up my thoughts on Paranoid. Is it my top favorite or one of my top favorite albums? No, not the same way that I think a lot of other people hold it to be the one of their top favorite albums. But Paranoid for me is a great, great album. It's got great songs. Uh, If I had to pick a definitive favorite from the album, I might have to go with War Pigs. But I mean, I love Fairies Wear Boots. I love Hand of Doom. I love Planet Caravan. Paranoid has grown on me. Uh, It was a song that I didn't used to like, but Paranoid has definitely grown on me. Uh, Electric Funeral is great. Iron Man is mixed for me but i think i would have to go with war pigs as my favorite off of the album but so those are my thoughts on paranoid i want to know from you guys what do you think about the album paranoid where does it rank is it one of your top favorite black sabbath albums like i know for a lot of people it is are you more like me where you really like the album but it's not in your top two or three uh or is it Somewhere else where, like, maybe it's one of the bottom tier. Maybe it's one of your least favorite albums for you. I want to know. Leave me all of your thoughts in the comment section below. Once again, I'm Nathaniel Moldar. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure to like. Make sure to comment. Make sure to subscribe for more content. Uh, and keep your eyes out for the, uh, the comments video I will be doing. Looking at all of your comments on the Paranoid album. And you can also find Observing the Sabbath in podcast form on Spotify and Apple Podcasts after I put out the album, after I put out this uh, episode, actually, this album review, uh, I'll be compiling all the audio from all the separate videos, putting it all together into another uh, big, long episode for the album Paranoid, like I did for Black Sabbath. So if you'd rather just listen to the whole thing as one long podcast episode, as opposed to watching each individual uh, installment, That will be going up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts within the next week or so. So, until our comments video, looking at all of your comments for Paranoid, and until we start digging into Master of Reality, thank you for watching.